is Bloomberg Surveillance. The oil market benefits from thousands, maybe not a million, people investing in oil who are not involved in the industry. There are more fault lines in the Middle East than there are in any other geologic formation. And by that, I mean these are political fault lines. World growth has been too slow for too long, and there's more trouble lying ahead. Time to do something about it with other policies than monetary policy. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 7 a.m. in Buffalo, at all points between the two. Primary Election Day in New York. We will look at the state of the presidential campaign today. Yeah, we have to, unfortunately. Investors so far today ignoring it. Instead, it is oil on their minds. Never mind the failure of those Doha talks. Prices higher today. West Texas Intermediate at 40.35, up 1.4%. Brent crude 43.67 is 1.8% higher. And that rise in oil prices has touched off a global rally. Now, Tokyo was up almost 4%, but of course, some of that expectations for increased fiscal spending after the earthquake there. The yen is weaker today, 109. 35. But there is optimism in Europe and the U.S. as well. The stock 600 in Europe is up four points, 1.3 percent. The DAX in Germany, 230 points higher, 2.3 percent. The euro at the moment is trading weaker, 113.32. In the U.S., S&P futures are up 10 points, about half a percent. Dow E-mini futures up 54, three-tenths, and NASDAQ E-mini futures 32 points higher, 7 tenths of a percent. In the bond market, 10-year note yield is going for 1.79%, 1.25 for your five-year, and the two-year note yield at 76 basis points. The dollar uh, index is at 94.32, a touch weaker today. We are also seeing a rally in emerging markets today. The MSCI Emerging Markets Index is up 8 tenths of a percent. Arnab Das is head of Emerging Markets Macro at Invesco. Today, oil is driving the markets, but Arnab, coming out of the IMF meetings in Washington last weekend, the message was clear. Central banks are driving what is happening. Are we at a point where emerging markets have their policies in the right place to deal with more or less stimulus in the U.S. and around the world? Well, I think um, most emerging markets um, – and, and even developed um, markets would benefit from uh, from st- stimulus and reflation, and I think that's part of what's um, a major part of what's driving this risk-on rally. Um, and I think on oil itself, um, the Doha talks might have been a disappointment, but the the real issue is that China is reflating through credit growth, and the Fed has become a bit more dovish and um, has served to weaken the dollar a bit, and that of course is supportive for most emerging markets, starting with China, um, and that flows through to commodity prices, particularly oil. And here we are in a rally. Well, how much how important is a weaker dollar to emerging markets? Uh, I think it's um, I think it's extremely important. Um, you know, for for two reasons, most uh, of the major emerging market countries are um, cons- are producers of uh, commodities, including oil. There are a few, such as China and India, which are um, major net importers of commodities and oil. But by and large, um, the market is a receiver of dollarized commodity export prices, and many have dollarized liabilities. So when the dollar strengthens, global financial conditions tighten, commodity prices tend to go down, and credit spreads and borrowing costs tend to go up 
which is not good for the majority of um, of EM countries. I think in this instance, um, even though commodity prices are going up a bit, the bigger picture is that financial conditions are loosening both inside the United States and outside the United States. Um, and we're starting to see some uh, accumulating evidence of financial conditions loosening within EM countries as well, most importantly China. I think that financial loosening is what we've been seeing um, feed through in the last couple of months. Dr. Doss, help me with the stability of debt within the emerging market. You're uniquely qualified with this. Your work out of Princeton and LSE. I was really taken by the Malaysia Abu Dhabi articles of the last 12 hours, and I understand it's a spat and it's about Malaysia struggling with debt. Is that systemic or is that just about Kuala Lumpur? Um, I think it's it's a very widespread problem, and I, and I think that is the longer term challenge. And I think you know these these reprieves that we're getting are very good so far as they go. But I think the really underlying the important underlying question is who's going to be able to bring themselves in emerging markets yeah. as, to to adjust and uh, deal with the debt problem, or just go back to business as usual. Okay, that that's fine. Except you and I have a collective history of remembering. Not 1998, but the years before that, where there was this thing and that thing. I mentioned earlier the tequila crisis, the peso crisis of 1994. I mean, are we getting in that position again of little surprises like Malaysia? Um, I think we're, we're we're getting into something um, that is a little bit different, which is that there's a serious domestic debt burden problem. Um, back in the tequila crisis, uh, Tom, and other such crises, including including 97, 98 um, in Asia and Russia, most of the debt was external. This time, there's a lot of external debt for sure, but there's much more of a domestic debt problem. And so, for us, this you know the problem is that this represents a threat to um, to potential growth. And I think you know what what we'll see coming out of this cycle is a much longer workout process of this excessive debt and a much slower um, growth cycle in emerging market countries. Of course, you know that's bad news so far as it goes. It doesn't mean that you can't be um, uh, in a position to make money as some of these these uh, changes work through in the EM space. And of course, the world we live in, developed and emerging, um, is comprised of really high debt burdens, and and so we've seen that since the global financial crisis in the West as well, um, as we have since the Japanese crisis, that this overhang of debt, it's a problem of um, low growth and low inflation, and I think that's where we are headed in emerging markets as well. That gets us back to the dollar. Uh, How much of the debt is dollar-denominated? Um, well, you know, indirectly, um, there's there's a good deal of dollar exposure um, there. Some of it is um, is explicit um, through actual hard currency corporate debt in China and other countries. Some of it is um, implicit, if you if you like, because you know you have a lot of carry trades um, that had been put on that are still in the process of being unwound in in various places or maybe put back on uh, in these risk risk on episodes. Um, and of course, a, a big part of that is dollar funded, although with negative interest rates in, in Europe and in, in Japan, you know, the dollar is not the only funding game in town anymore, um, as, as people well know. So there is a good deal of, of dollar exposure um, still there. And I think that, you know, that raises a very important point that if you know, we have significant upside surprises, sustained upside surprises in the U.S., it's going to be more difficult for the Fed to remain dovish. Um, so I think you know there are there are medium term challenges to this um, this risk on environment, 
Um, but for the short term, it, it looks pretty good. Well, where where are you on a dollar basis on investing in equities in emerging markets? To me, it's a it, there's like three emerging markets. How many are there? Sorry, there are three emerging markets in the sense. There's just there's there's an OPEC commodities emerging market. There's non-OPEC non-commodities emerging markets, and then maybe there's the emerging markets of Eastern Europe as well. I mean, it, to me, there's a set of separate sets of countries, and we don't know what to do with all the news flow and distortions from central banks. What is what is Invesco's recommendation on what to do within emerging markets? Um, well, like I say, our, you know, our, our current view is, um, is relatively optimistic about the, uh, about the immediate future and, and the next few months. There are still important risks out there that may become um, systematic, you know, like Brexit and, and so forth, and we can talk about those if you want. Um, but in an environment, like I say, where um, all the largest economies in the world, developed and emerging, are um, most of them are reflating and, and trying to boost domestic demand. Um, that is an environment in which you know most people will want to be um, will want emerging markets exposure to currencies that are going to benefit from that reflation, um, to yield curves that are that are relatively steep that are going to tend to flatten because um, inflation is low and capital flows are, are returning, um, and indeed equity markets as well. Um, you know whether whether they're commodity importers, commodity exporters, or more exposed to the eurozone than everything else. Um, the reality is that this reflation um, is in is in Europe uh, because the ECB is um, is stimulating. Yeah. Bank of Japan needs to stimulate. The Fed is on on hold, albeit perhaps with a moderately tightening bias, but mm-hmm. perhaps um, heading towards more dovishness. And China, of course, is reflating. India is easing. Indonesia is easing. Um, you know, people hope for Brazil and Russia to ease. There are a few places. South Africa right. has some challenges that may need to tighten. But by and large, we're we're in a stimulative environment again for the for the next couple of months. Okay, Arnaud Dauss with us with Invesco, and we'll come back and uh, speak to him in a moment. Uh, futures up ten, Dow futures up sixty. Ten-year yield one point seven eight percent across the board. Risk on the VIX closing at thirteen point zero nine. And it is a good negative 0.26 points. That's something. That's uh, that's uh, I believe you'd call that a bull market with a Dow closing 18,004. You've got to believe with futures where they are that we'll, we'll open with a 12 handle on the VIX. 710 on Wall Street this hour of surveillance brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit VolvoCarsWhitePlains.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Democrat Bernie Sanders is still holding out hope for a close vote in the New York presidential primary today, despite Hillary Clinton's lead in the polls. Clinton's campaign says the delegate race is about over. Republican Donald Trump is eyeing the 95 available delegates as he tries to clinch his party's nomination and avoid a contested convention. Afghan authorities say at least 28 people are dead and more than 300 wounded during a car bombing and assault by militants on a key government security agency in Kabul. 
but Taliban has claimed responsibility. Add Pearl Jam to the list of musicians canceling concerts in North Carolina. It's over the state's new law on LGBT rights. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael, thanks so much. Futures up 10, Dow Futures up 60. Just a terrific uh, uh, screen as well. Coming up, Arnab Das on the central banker to the world, Janet Yellen. Arnab Das of Invesco on emerging markets. Stay with us. Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. To them, every day is Earth Day. They're committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Finner, and Smith, member SIPC. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Cameron Moscow. This update is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. U.S. stock index futures are higher with oil and metals, indicating the S&P 500 will extend gains after reaching its highest level since December. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 8.5 points. Dow E-mini futures up 50. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 30. The DAX in Germany is up 2.3%. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.78%. Yield on the two-year 0.75%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.6% or 63 cents to $40.41 a barrel. And COMEX gold is up 7 tenths percent or $8.50 to 12.43.60 an ounce. The euro $1.1331, the yen 109.45. And it is a busy morning for earnings. Johnson & Johnson reported earnings that beat analyst estimates and so did United Health. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Arnab Das with us, head of Emerging Markets Macro uh, for Fixed Income with Invesco. Arnab, where are real rates? I mean, I, I, it's surreal now. There's one massive great distortion. Are, are there negative rates in the emerging markets? I've never asked that question. Um, well, yeah, that's an, an excellent question. Um, indeed, there are negative real rates in, in various places, and in some places you have extraordinarily high real rates, um, and that's part of the argument for the attraction in, in domestic yield curves. Um, so, for example, in, um, in, in Brazil, you have um, real interest rates and nominal interest rates that are quite high. Um, of course, there are serious fiscal and, and political challenges there, um, and there's a very deep multi-year recession underway. But the, the hope, of course, in that particular country is that there's about to be a turnaround um, if, if indeed the impeachment process goes forward. Right. It will still be challenging. Um, there are other places where, particularly in, in emerging Asia, um, where real rates are, are negative, policy rates are negative in real terms, uh, and parts of the yield so curve are negative it, in real it, terms. Explain that decision. Explain if China has a high real rate and somewhere else in emerging Asia doesn't. What does Invesco do? Which do you buy? Um, well, you know, the, the Chinese um, domestic market is uh, only partly accessible and is in the process of being opened up. So, you know, we, we will have some exposures there. And, um, it's, it, you know, taking a step back from particular countries, it's um, partly about the real rate for that country. It's also partly about what we expect to happen to the currency and partly about what um, – 
the the kind of general global funding environment and the benchmarks, right? So you have a world where you have negative, not just negative real, but negative nominal policy rates and negative um, yields uh, in in much of the European bond market and uh, in the Japanese bond market, and you have very low real and nominal yields in the developed world. And so, of course, a big part of the attraction of emerging markets at various times has been the higher growth and the higher inflation um, in in many countries, not all, right? Now, China is a very special and very interesting case, of course, because they've been having partial deflation for some time. Uh, Producer prices have been growing in negative terms, although consumer prices have been growing very slowly, right? So now the reflation strategy holds out the hope, um, at least for the short term, that through faster credit growth and faster investment, um, as well as continued growth in consumption, that the economy will grow more quickly um, than had been feared, and that will raise the inflation rate in China through credit reflation, and that will spread around the rest of the world. And indeed, that is starting to take place. Now, we have longer-term concerns about that policy strategy, but the reality is that in a world in which we had been fearing, many many people have been fearing a deflationary devaluation shock from China, that seems off the table for the time being. So it's a better and world. Mike McKee, another shout-out. James Sweeney of Credit Suisse was way out front on uh, this, this tone set by uh, Dr. Das. Well, we're not going to see negative rates in Argentina. However, the fact that there are going to be rates at all is, 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 a, uh, is <laughs> a, a interesting news. Uh, the country coming back to the global credit markets after 15 years uh, how is this going to be received? Arnab had three phones to his ear bidding on that puppet. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think Argentina, um, you know, is a, is a very interesting, um, very particular case, right? I mean, I think the, the great news is that Argentina is coming back into the world economy from, um, you know, from isolation and from the cold, uh, whereas you say you couldn't really tell what interest rates were. Um, because you couldn't really tell what inflation was. And if anyone tried to tell under the previous regime what the inflation rate actually was, as opposed to what the government was saying that the inflation rate was, they would be stifled or even jailed, right? So we have um, a very significant change in Argentina um, underway, being managed by a president. You can sort of understand where he's coming from and what he says, and by an economic team um, that is that is excellent. I, I know and have worked with several of those people um, for years in the, in the past and have a great deal of confidence in their ability to diagnose the problem and also to implement a sensible solution. And it's quite impressive how rapidly the, the new government has moved to normalize a lot of the distortions that the previous government had created. So they've unified the multiple exchange rate regime. They're dismantling the capital controls. Um, they're starting to... Um, you know, bring bring energy prices into line with uh, with with the cost of producing energy. So, Argentina is a place where, unfortunately, people are going to have to suffer much higher energy prices uh, in a world where energy prices have collapsed. But the Argentine people clearly understand that the regime that they were operating under mm-hmm. for the last several years was, um, you know, just just completely unsustainable because it had a lot of free right. prices and therefore you had shortages of, um, of, of lots of right. items and, and of energy. 
So Argentina is starting to normalize, and, and the market is responding to that, and that's why that um, <clears throat> debut bond has gone so well. All right. Arnab, thank you so much. Arnab Das with Invesco, greatly appreciated on emerging markets. Michael, from where you sit, is Janet Yellen central banker to the emerging markets? Yeah, it's an interesting idea. I, I mean, there's such a separateness between our vector of rates and everybody else's. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, uh, uh, she is, rather, uh, the person who's going to influence the dollar, and the dollar is going to influence well, the cost of borrowing, cost of repayment for emerging markets, which, as Arnab says, right. is a big deal. And, and wouldn't you agree with me that that was the heart and soul of Rogoff and Reinhardt's book, is the idea of summing uh, domestic and, and exterior debt as well to so many right. of these countries. Um, the market went up yesterday. The market is up this morning. Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash in rented real estate. Find them at nria.net.